catch up to speed on where we're at. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen one of these. Um, this is a monkey trap, believe it or not. In fact, Tammy, would you throw that first slide up there? How many of you have, have seen a monkey trap before? That's a monkey trap. How does it work? Oh, it's very simple. This is how you trap a monkey. You take something that they want. I love peanuts, so I'm just going to use peanuts. And this is how you trap a monkey. Of course, you take a coconut or whatever you have handy, and you chain it to a tree. And then the monkey's inquisitive, and so what they do is they put their fist in, and they make the hole just big enough for your hand to slide in. And then they grab their prize. They're ready to take it. But the trouble is, is now they've made a fist because they're hanging on to it. And now they can't get it out. They're stuck. Now, the tribesmen or anybody that wants to catch a monkey comes over there and grabs a monkey. As soon as they grab the monkey, guess what the monkey does? He lets go, and whoop, off they go, and they've got a monkey to eat or whatever they do with monkeys, right? Kind of bizarre, and it's kind of cool that this is how it works. You just put your hand in, you grab it, now you can't get out. I'm stuck. I can't get out. Last week, we talked about the theology of Shamu, the killer whale. Remember, jumping through religious hoops to get a piece of heaven. Like Shamu jumps through a hoop to get a piece of squid or fish. Miss the hoop? No fish for you. If you miss the religious hoops, if you don't work hard enough, you don't do enough good things, no piece of heaven for you. It's no wonder people in the world don't want to have anything to do with our God because they are operating under this philosophy, this theology of Shamu. That's not the gospel message at all. That theology comes from the devil. And Paul was calling out these church people who were teaching this devilish theology. The theology of, let's call it by its proper name instead of the theology of Shamu, the theology of works righteousness, which means you work to get righteous so God will let you into heaven. Because that's the only way to be saved, through religious activity, the law of Moses, to work, to earn, to jump, to bring, catch this, to be worthy enough that Jesus would die for you. See how backwards that is? Let, let, let me repeat that again. This theology is the only way to be saved. This is being taught in the Philippian church. It's being infiltrated. The only way to be saved is through religious activity, the law of Moses, to work, to earn, and jump your way to be worthy enough that Jesus would die for you. Yes, you need the grace of Jesus. You need the mercy of Jesus. But the only way to get grace and mercy is not to earn it. That's Well, they were saying you had to earn Jesus' grace. That's what these Judaizers, that's what they were called. But then, if you have to work for grace, it's not grace. Grace is free, right? Say amen. Amen. If you, if you have to work for it, then it's not free. Don't you love these retailers that say, come to my store, and if you buy $100 worth of groceries, you get a free 10-pound turkey. Well, how much did that turkey cost you? It cost you $100. It's not free. 
That is a lie. If it's free, then you should be able to go to the store and say, I'd like my free 10-pound turkey. Oh, no, there's conditions. You have to spend $100. If you spend $100, then it's free. That's exactly what these people were doing in Philippi. They said, come, receive Jesus, get to go to heaven, be eternally blessed. Oh, but first, you have to spend $100. First, you have to jump through this religious hoop. First, you have to be circumcised. First, you have to honor the Sabbath. First, you have to go to the temple. First, you have to, and, uh, oh, they just kept adding more and more hoops. And again, it's not free. That's, it's not grace. Free means free in my book, right? No strings attached, no other conditions attached. It is free. God's grace is, say it with me, free. While Tammy stole my line. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Eternal life is a free gift. It, grace itself means undeserved. Undeserved favor. And these Judaizers were saying, you can receive God's grace by $100 worth of works righteousness, $100 worth of jumping through hoops. You've got to become a Jew. You have to live under the old covenant, 612 laws plus thousands of rabbinic laws, and then you'll get the free gift of grace. Now, if anyone has jumped through more religious hoops than any of these people, Scoring 100 out of 100 for being the best super Jew, it would have been Paul. But last week he told us that one of the joyful marks of being a true believer, a true Christian, is to put no confidence in the flesh. Do not trust in our ability to be perfect. Can't be done. Uh Uh-uh. Our good isn't good enough. That's why we need the free gift of grace. We cannot earn God's love or favor. So today he's going to tell us how he got trapped like a monkey. Because that's what he did. The religious things that people will hold on to. Meanwhile, Christ calls them and they can't go. Because they won't let go. They're not going to let go. And Paul says you got to let go. And here are the things that I was trapped by. The religious things he held on to that kept him in bondage until he met Jesus. So you have your Bibles? Turn to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to pick it up at verse 4. I'm going to read the text. Actually, I'll, I'll probably start at verse 1. It's such a short passage. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Philippians 3, beginning at verse 1. To write the same things to you is no trouble for me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs those scavengers, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh, for we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Now comes our text. Though I myself have reasons for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reasons for confidence in the flesh, I got him beat. I have more. Verse 5. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. 
But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. If anyone has a reason to hang on to his religious activity to get into heaven, it's going to be this guy. He's a super Jew. He's super Shamu. He's the one that's able to do the biggest and the most in Judaism. But what it, listen to what he's saying. He's saying, been there, done that. Been there, done that. In verse 8, he's going to go on, and we'll look at verse 8 next week. Well, no, we won't, because next week is Easter, and we're going to have the special message following. But in verse 8, he says, it's rubbish, it's garbage. It's, the word actually means excrement. Yeah, that's what he says. He says, that's what's in there trapping you it's garbage it's rubbish it's bad it's no good you put your confidence in the flesh you're in big trouble paul should know been there done that would you go to lawrence would you go to a hotel that i told you had fleas in the bed the door was broken so it couldn't be locked the windows smashed, the faucets leak, and the blankets are dirty. Yes. Or you go on Google or Yelp and somebody has given it a five star. Who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe me who's been to that hotel? Or are you going to believe Yelp or Google who has an agenda to sell? Yeah. Exactly. Paul's saying, I've been to this motel. I've been there. You don't want to go there. Philippians, somebody is stealing your joy because they've come and they told you to put your hand in the jar in order to be saved. It's the flesh. Stop it. So Paul's going to list the things he used to hang on to before he came to Christ because... Been there, done that. But it's very insightful because people today are still in a monkey trap, holding on to things, thinking, I'll get a piece of heaven as long as I hang on to this baby. And he, he lists seven things that we're going to go over. So here's the, the list from the Bible, from Scripture, that people are trusting in for salvation. These are the things people think are going to get them to heaven. So let's look at the first one. First one is, back to the text, it says this. Verse 5, I was circumcised on the eighth day. Here's the fill in the blank. The right rituals will save you. Oh, do the right rituals. God told his people, when you have a baby boy, you are to circumcise him on the eighth day. Not the seventh, not the ninth, but on the eighth day. And Paul says, been there, done that, did that. Oh, Ishmael wasn't done uh, circumcised. He was 13. When you became a proselyte and you became a Jew as an adult, you weren't eight days old. Paul says, I was eight days old. I've got that box checked. I have the right rituals, and I'm going to hang on to it. Paul was trusting in the right rituals to save him. And today, people still have their hand in the monkey trap. 
hanging on the right rituals to save them. I was baptized as an infant. Well, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Well, I went through confirmation. So, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Well, I was married in the church. So what? Do you have a personal relationship with the Christ? Well, I was baptized at church camp. So, do you know Jesus? Do you have a relationship with him? Well, I remember my first communion. So, do you have a relationship with the Lord? Well, I went to church every Sunday as a kid. Oh, I don't know how many times I've heard that. I went to church every, every, every day as a kid. Well, are you hanging on to that, thinking that's going to get you to heaven because you went to church every Sunday as a kid? Do you have a relationship with Jesus is the question. Well, I take communion every week. <laughs> so what? Do you have a relationship with the Creator God? Well, I do this religious activity so that God will let me into heaven. Boy, people are under a false hope and a false de delusion if they think they can do some religious activity and that punches their, their card to heaven. Outward, catch this, outward performance without inward transformation is death. Your heart hasn't been circumcised. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? And that's what people were, were going back to. I have all this religious activity, and therefore I get to go to heaven. God says, do you have a relationship with me? Do you know me? Do you know me? Then he goes on and he says this, not only was I circumcised on the eighth day, but I'm of the people of Israel. I have the right heritage, is the next fill in the blank. I have the right heritage. Paul came, he came from the right race. He came from the right ethnic group. He came from the right people. Today, people have their hand in the monkey trap, hanging on to their right heritage to save them. Well, I'm Jewish. Well, I'm Catholic. Well, I'm Protestant. Well, I'm, 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 a, I'm from a Christian nation. Or, I'm, I like this, I'm Irish Catholic. I'm from the right people group, and therefore my heritage is going to save me. Like you could be born into it. I was born into this, so I have like extra chips, extra marks on my piece of paper. And I'd say, that's great, that's wonderful. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Don't count on your right heritage to save you. This is what it says in Romans Romans chapter 2, he says, For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter of the law. Wow. It doesn't matter these activities or your heritage. Don't be fooled. And then he goes on and he says, not only was I circumcised on the eighth day, and not only is my heritage awesome, I have no heritage to stand on. I'm a mutt like you, right? But, oh, he had heritage. 
But look what he says. He says, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. I come, here's the fill in the blank, I come from the right family. I come from the right family. Paul was from a great tribe. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. You know, Benjamin was only only kid out of the 12 boys that was actually born in the promised land. Did you know when the southern tribes... Uh, or they had the civil war in Israel. The ten tribes went north and two tribes went south. You know the two tribes that stayed south that stayed true? Judah and guess who? Benjamin. Where did the first Jewish king come from? The tribe of Benjamin. Oh, this is something to be proud of. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. Paul says it doesn't amount to anything. Being from the right family. Your family doesn't make you right with God. I wish I had a dollar for every person that has told me, trying to impress me, that their grandfather was a pastor, or my grandfather was a minister, or my grandfather was an elder, or my grandfather was a deacon, or my mom taught Sunday school. Like somehow that's going to impress God and it's going to impress me because, man, you come from the right family. No, the question is, is do you have a relationship with the Creator God. Don't you know I'm, I'm right with God? I've got the right hoop to jump through because someone in my family did something for Jesus once. Wow, but do you have a relationship with that Jesus? Then he goes on, he says, not only was I circumcised on the right day and I came from the right rituals and the right heritage and the right family, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. Right tradition. That's the fill in the blank, right? Tradition. Not only was I circumcised as a Jew, born into the best tribe, followed all the traditions, I spoke Hebrew. That's what Paul's saying. I spoke Hebrew. We washed our hands ceremonially. We went to the Sabbath. We observed the Sabbath. I wasn't a a Jew in name only. I was the real deal. And Paul says, "Eh, it's all rubbish. What? People today have in their hand some peanuts or these things that has them trapped in the monkey trap. God's got to let me into heaven because I have the right traditions. I live like a Christian. I have plaques on my wall. I'm a morally good person. I listen to Christian radio. I support a child from... Compassion International, I donate blood, I have a long list of hoops that can prove to you that I'm a Christian. And, I, and what do we say? Fine, sound good. You love Christian traditions, but do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? What's another thing that people try to hang on to? Go back to the text. He then says, and as to the law, I'm a Pharisee. He's proud of it. He says, I am an extreme fundamentalist, conservative, protector of God's word, obey it by the letter of the law, and I am a Pharisee. What does that equate to today? Well, people are hanging on to the right religion or the right denomination. I'm a Baptist. Like that's going to get you to heaven. (laughs) I'm a Methodist. I'm an Episcopalian. 
I'm a Lutheran. I'm a Nazarene. I'm a Presbyterian. I'm an Assembly of God. I'm a Pentecostal. I'm a Unitarian. I'm Orthodox. I'm liberal. I'm... You put a label on yourself and you think that that label is the thing that gets you to heaven. And he says, no. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? That's what gets you to heaven. And, the, and then he goes on and he says, as to, zeal, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, here's the fill in the blank. I have the right sincerity. I have the right sincerity. Paul says, I didn't sit on the sidelines. I was in the game. Man, I was going after the Christians. I was zealous. I was killing Christians. And then he says, and it was all wrong. I was very religious, but wrong. I was sincere, but sincerely wrong. There's so many people out there today in our world that believe that all roads lead to heaven. And they think, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what road I get on. I could get on the Buddhist road. I could get on the... Uh, on the Confucius road, I can get on the Islam road, I can, I, I can, I can get on the Hindu uh, road that has, you know, millions or 33 gods, however many you want to carve up, all roads. God just wants to know if I'm sincere. And what is Paul saying? He says, I was sincere to the point that I persecuted Christians all in the name of doing it in God's name. And I was wrong. I was banking on God being pleased with me for my zeal. All roads do not lead to heaven. All roads lead to hell unless you're on the path of Jesus. You know, have you ever heard this phrase, a rose is a rose by any other name? Have you heard that? Some people say, well, see, that's, that's, you can call Jesus Allah, you can call him Confucius, you can call Jesus Buddha. Those, that's like calling a rose a pumpkin. They're two different entities. They're two different people. They're two different identities. They're two different characteristics. You cannot say that the generic God is the generic God of Jesus. No, Jesus came with a personality. He came with characteristics. He came with a moral mandate. He is unique and alone and so all roads don't leave and so if you're hanging on and there are people out there well doesn't matter what you believe just be sincere no remember last week the joyful christian worships jesus in spirit and what truth truth trusting in your own belief system with all your heart won't get you a cup of coffee or a piece of heaven. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? And look at the last one. He says, and as, as to righteousness under the law, he was blameless. This fill in the blank is, well, I keep all the rules. I'm really good at rule keeping. The right rules. But Paul discovered that his rule-keeping couldn't get him to heaven, even though he was the best at keeping the rules. And yet so many people today truly believe that if you're a morally good person, God will let you into his presence. How many commands did Adam and Eve break in the garden? <laughs> All of them. That's right. You've listened well. How many were there? 
One, right? How many did they break? All of them or one? It's not the number that's important. It's the rebellion in the heart that's important. Wanting to be under no one else's authority but your own is an attitude of defiance. It's an attitude of sin. An attitude of, I will not submit to God. And live in the, it lives in the heart of, of a rule keeper. Let me say that again. An attitude of, I will not submit to God, can live in the heart of a rule keeper. So you can obey all the rules, but inside be corrupt. Are you with me? When Tammy and I were first married, I told her all the ways I'd rob a bank. I told her which bank I'd rob, how I would rob it, and she was like a little freaked out that her fiancé was telling her all about how to steal, how to rob banks. See, I can keep the rules, but if the heart isn't transformed, I still want to steal. Are you with me on that? Just because you take a person that's an alcoholic and put him on a desert island that has no alcohol doesn't make him no longer an alcoholic. You have to change the behavior. You have to have a heart transformation. You have to have some radical surgery of the soul. And so he says rule keeping has no value. You can have outward compliance, but there can be inward rebellion. And so rule keeping, oh, I can't tell you how many people have their hand in the monkey trap and that is the last thing they're going to hang on to. They're like, I keep all the rules. I'm a good moral person. God has to let me into his presence. What's inside the heart? Do you have a relationship with the living God? Your ability to keep rules has no value. So, where's all the joy in this? <laughs> because we've titled this message, I've titled it, you didn't do it, I won't blame you. The joy of letting go. Now you start to see this, letting go. When Jesus says, follow me, you've got to leave behind the thing that you've been hanging on to. You can't hold on to the things of the flesh. Your right rituals, your right heritage, your right family, your right traditions, your right religion, your denomination, your sincerity, your right rule keeping, and think that you can follow Christ. Because remember, this trap is what? It's chained. And Jesus bids you to come and follow him. And you're like, well, I can't. I can't. Hold on to these things that I'm trusting in and trust Jesus. I got to let go, don't I? I got to let go of the things I was trusting in to make God happy with me. So how are you going to do it? You're going to let go. Joy comes when you let go of the religious rubbish. Joy comes when you let go of the empty things that you've been hanging on to for heaven. Real joy comes when you realize you don't have to jump through hoops anymore. That God just loves you. 
God loves you. That's the hardest concept for people to get in their head because they've been so conditioned by the theology of works righteousness that somehow God should love you or could love you because you know the type of person who you are in the inside. And yet God does and he still loves you. And when you realize that you can be yourself, you don't have to be a poser, you don't have to be a pretender, you don't have to try to fool everybody else and fool God. God accepts you just as you are Suddenly, your hands are now free. You know what happens when your hands are free? Now you can hold his joy. Now you can hold his peace. You cannot hold his joy if you are hanging on to your flesh. Are you with me? How can you be joyous if you're hanging on to the flesh? Joy comes when you stop trying so hard to gain God's love and approval and just be loved. Joy comes when you realize you don't have to come through the right family line. I have murderers in my family. Do you? Boy, if, I, if that's what's going to get me to heaven, I'm in big trouble. Yeah. I had a, I had a great-grandfather who ran an inn in Arkansas on the border of Oklahoma. And if you came into his establishment and you had a watch and you had some rings and you looked like you had money and you had finer clothes than everybody else, you didn't leave. He killed you, took your possessions. He ran to Oklahoma to avoid the law. That's why my family's from Oklahoma. Boy, if I'm counting on my heritage, my family line... My father, you know a little bit about him. I, you, you can't, and, and hey, there's joy. God, God's going to accept me and my sword passed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It's free. I don't have to buy $100 worth of anything that the world is peddling in order to get grace. It's free. Joy comes when you realize that God cares more about you than the rules you break or keep. Let me say that again. God cares more about you than the rules that you either break or keep. And that's when the joy comes. Joy comes because you finally start understanding God's love and His grace and His mercy Joy, real joy comes from that deep abiding relationship when you follow Christ. I don't know if you saw the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? But when Delmer, Delmer, whatever his name is, what's his name? Delmer. Delmar. Delmar gets saved and he's full of joy. And George Clooney, of course, wants to knock him down. Oh, I... Yeah, well, the state of Mississippi hasn't forgiven you. But there's this exuberance when you realize God gives you forgiveness even when you mess up. Real joy comes from that deep abiding confidence that you have with God that you and Him are tight. Freed from the bondage of self-performance. Free from the gel of self-effort. Free from the chains of work righteousness. Now, when an animal... I need to close this down. When an animal that has, is normally by nature wild grows up in captivity, 
if they try to reinduce it to the wild, what happens? Sometimes they live, sometimes they die. Why? Well, they don't know how to function. It's hard for them. If animals could talk, they might actually prefer to go back into captivity. Remember we freed Willie? I don't know if Shamu ever got freed because if they introduced him into the wild after he was trained to live off of the fish, he might have not survived. When you leave the theology of Shamu, when you leave the theology of works righteousness, when you leave that, that philosophy of I have to work my way to heaven, and you're thrown into this ocean called grace, it's a little overwhelming. It's a little scary because it's a little uncomfortable, this thing called grace, because we have been trained like the dolphins and like Shamu. We have been trade, trained that in order to get the fish, we have to perform. And suddenly you're out in the ocean and you don't know what to do. That's why so many people have been set free by grace, but they gravitate back to works righteousness because it's more comfortable. They're a little more at ease. It appeals to the flesh. Stay in grace. It takes time to unlearn all the wrong stuff you learned. Remember what happened when Paul left the cage? When he let go and he received Christ? What did he have to do? He had to go away to Arabia for several years and be just him and Jesus so he could unlearn all the bad theology and understand who this God of grace really is. Don't be afraid of grace. It is the most joyful thing in the world. And so you have to let go of the things of the flesh so that you can embrace the Savior that loves you so much.